What's up, you amazing listeners? I'm your host, Chronic, from the Cannabis Chronicles on Instagram and YouTube. And I'll be here every Wednesday to bring you all more cannabis education on the Homegrown Podcast. Which, if you are looking for top-notch cannabis seeds, be sure to check out www.homegrowncannabiscode.com. They help bring this podcast to you listeners, so show them some love. In today's episode, we'll be talking about cloning in the first segment, and then we'll be breaking down monster cropping your plant in the second segment. So be sure to load a bowl, get that dab ready, and get excited as we go over some wonderful information. Let's begin. In this first segment, we're going to go over the ins and outs of cloning. Now in last week's episode, we went over some breeding techniques including picking a mother or father plant, which if you haven't given that episode a listen, be sure to follow along on whichever platform you're tuning in from so you can go browse our content and never miss out on any new episodes. In that episode, I talked about different tests you should put your potential mother or father plants under before taking clones. This way you ensure you're taking quality genetics and not subpar genetics you won't want to work with. I recommend starting from seed. And if you head over to www.homegrowncannabiscode.com, there's over 400 options of high quality seeds to choose from. Dozens of strains to ooh and ah over. And when you've made your selection and get your seeds, you can begin the process of growing up some mothers if you snagged feminized seeds, or mother and fathers if you grabbed regulars. Now the reason it's best to clone from a mother plant that was grown from the seed is the further you get away from the original plant, some terpene profiles and cannabinoid compounds can vary or alter, along with flavors, leaf structure, or various genetic traits. Now it's never really a major difference if you get gifted a clone and use that as the mother for your actual clones you take, you'll be pretty close to the original genetics. It's when people have 5th or 6th generation cloned mothers, and what I mean by that is they have taken clones, mothered one out, taken more clones from that cloned mother, and then repeated the process 5 or 6 times. Well at that point you can muddy the genetic pool or alter some traits. So it's always best when choosing parent plants for cloning to grow from seed, so you have the original strain's genetics. You also want a hardy strain that will be happy root locked for quite some time as there are some growers who have kept mother plants alive for 10 plus years, which is quite incredible. Now once you've listened to last week's episode, snagged your seeds from Homegrown Cannabis Co., grown out your plants and tested them, it's time to take some clones. Now there are some items you will want to have prepared and on hand before even thinking of cloning, so let's get into those first. I know the anticipation is building, you just want to clone already. Well, we will get there soon. To start, you need a quality cloner, and do not go cheap on this, and I highly recommend using Clone King. If you are going to build your own DIY cloner, however, make sure you water test it multiple times for leaks before placing it into your grow space. Water leaks can cause a fire very rapidly, and that is something no grower needs to have happen. If you are making your own DIY cloner, you'll need neoprene collars for your clones to sit in and you'll need to choose if you'll be doing a deep water culture cloner or aeroponic cloner. Personally, I think aeroponics produces much more vigorous and healthier roots than deep water culture for cloning. However, that's not to say there aren't cultivators who clone that way and slay it. 
If you are building your own, get a quality water pump or air pump depending on which one you choose, as this will be the main source of oxygen, food, and life essentially for these clones. Next thing to consider having on hand is a very sharp cutting tool. Most cultivators like to use disposable sterile scalpels as they know their instrument is clean each and every time. This helps prevent root rot disease and infections on the cut spot. Now I personally don't like throwing that much plastic away, so I just keep very clean habits, use rubbing alcohol above 70% to clean, and use my Diamond Cut Co trimming shears to trim my clones at the 45 degree angle required. Also, you'll want a rooting gel or a cloning mixture. I have Clone X as well as Foop Organics rooting solution, which I am using the Foop Organics as of right now. I personally am a fully organic grower and I like organics all the way through and through. Plus, it smells amazing as they add peppermint oil to the mix. Generally, how I go about taking a clone is I initially take the branch off or part of the branch off that I'm wishing to take my clone from. I always leave about one inch of excess stem if I can. Then I take my tool for cutting that I'm using and I'll cut a 45 degree angle on the end. Make sure everything is clean and you've already wiped down everything with alcohol, including your hands or be wearing gloves. Once I do that, I'll take the edge of the blade I'm using and scrape the outer layer of skin off about half an inch above the cut and take all the skin off from that point down to the cut. This allows the rooting gel or cloning solution you're using to start working much more quicker. Also, this allows the roots to have an easier time forming at the cut location instead of having to break out of that outer layer. Now, once you've made your cut and dipped your clone into your rooting or cloning solution, be sure to trim all the major fan leaves back. Basically cut the fingers in half to three quarters the way off. This helps push energy into creating roots instead of developing the fan leaves. There's a lot more science that goes into that actual process and I am still learning the science behind it and we can break that down in another cloning episode in the future. However, the basic understanding is that you're redirecting energy in that specific clone to prompt it to push all of the energy and cell creation into developing a root structure to survive as a standalone plant. Now, once you've done all of that, you can then place your clone in the neoprene collar and into your cloner under 24 hours of light. Clones do best having access to light at all times to develop roots. Once you've rooted your clones, you can then plant. I personally always take excess clones to what I may actually plant. For instance, I took 30 clones, 5 clones of each strain I'm working with to see which clone produces the most vigorous roots and the best looking root structure to choose as the clone I flower out. I then toss the other 4 clones from each strain, or if you have friends who grow who would love to have the clones, you can always gift them some, but don't gift anyone clones with pest on them. That's never fun to receive clones that are mite filled. It hasn't happened to me yet, and I'm knocking on wood to make sure that doesn't happen, but that brings me to my next tip for growers who take clones in often from other cultivators. You should have a pest management system set up to spray your clones with some sort of pest prevention like neem oil, homegrown cannabis co's pest prevention products, or even a product from mammoth line like a specific insecticide or pesticide. It really depends on what you're comfortable spraying in your garden and what you're trying to prevent and how thorough you wish to be. Now generally after you've allowed your clones to root for 48 hours, you'll start noticing roots beginning to develop and by the third day you should have visible roots forming. One trick I like to do is to put half a teaspoon of cloning solution inside the actual reservoir for my Aeroponic Clone King 36 site cloner. This keeps the Foop Organics clone solution spraying on the roots at all times. It's a mixture of mycorrhizal fungi, aloe vera, sea kelp, volcanic silica, hydrolyzed fish, willow water, and peppermint oil. 
It's completely organic as well, every single ingredient. So it really has loads of beneficials for the clones to really have the best chance at producing roots. Remember, with cloning, a key to success is water temperature as well. Your cannabis plants want a water temperature of 70 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit and seriously no hotter. 75 degrees Fahrenheit is a little too hot for me, to be honest. I generally try to keep my water temperature about 72 degrees Fahrenheit. This helps keep any bacteria from being formed and also prevents the water from being too cold for your clones to root. Now with all that information, you wonderful listeners should have no issues cloning with success. We're going to take a short break with at NateHammer420 from Instagram to bring us some information on Homegrown Cannabis Co. So stay tuned for the next segment where we discuss monster cropping. I want to pause for a moment to tell you about a new range of homegrown seeds and where they have come from. When Isaac Newton coined the phrase, standing on the shoulders of giants, he was talking about the amazing minds that came before him. It's a phrase that embodies the homegrown collaboration with Steve D'Angelo, Kyle Cushman, Nikki Lestretto and Swami Chaitanya. They are your giants. These legends are sharing more than just their vast amounts of knowledge. However, they also have a range of homegrown seeds we have lovingly christened cultivars with character. Each seed is a personal favorite, especially chosen pheno selected for resilience, reliability, and ease of growth. Basically, they're more forgiving phenotypes of classic, time-honored cultivars with all of the quality. My advice? Choose their seeds, stand on their shoulders, and aim high. It's exactly what they're here for. Head over to homegrowncannabisco.com for more details. And we're back from that amazing break with at NateHammer420 from Instagram, who does behind the scenes content with Homegrown Cannabis Co. Definitely check out his amazing page. He also joined us for the interview episode with Kyle Cushman. So follow along on whichever platform to never miss out and go browse the various episodes on the Homegrown podcast. In this segment, we're going to go over monster cropping, what it is and how to successfully do it and how many times can you actually do it. So pack that bowl again, drop another dab, and let's lift away into some wonderful information. Monster cropping is also known as afterflower reveg. Most of you who aren't familiar or understand yet have probably seen, heard, or watched someone on YouTube, a forum, or a Facebook group talk about flowering a plant for its second or third time or monster cropping. Essentially, the grower leaves lower bud sites on the plant, underdeveloped and some fully developed ones, as the more developed ones will produce more vegetation much more rapid. The cultivator then harvests the majority of the plant, leaving select bud sites they chose, placing the plant back under 24 hours of light for two weeks. What happens is the plant actually begins to stop producing ethylene, or the female flower hormone, and it goes back to producing vegetative hormones for consumption of nitrogen, calcium, magnesium, and all those growth nutrients cannabis uses for vegging. The plant will produce these weird-looking, scraggly, normally mutated leaves, but then begin to start producing stems and tops that look exactly identical to the first time you grew this plant. At this point, the grower can transplant to a bigger pot, or if they're in the max pot size for their space, re-amend the top of the soil with some new soil, earthworm castings, or your own blend of dry amendments or mix. Once the plant is vegging properly, the grower can continue to use 24 hours of light for their veg cycle or utilize 18 hours of light with 6 hours of darkness. At this point, the grower can train the plant however they choose, 
topping, low stress training, lollipopping, schwazing, Cushman chiropractics, really anything they choose. I have an episode on all of those training techniques. If you haven't listened, you can definitely check them out. The monster crop plant should act exactly the same before as it should be a stable plant, which goes back to our fundamental principle of growing cannabis. Start off with quality genetics, such as www.homegrowncannabisco.com. Now that we discussed what a monster crop is and some names you may have heard it get called by, let's talk about how many times you can actually monster crop your plant. This depends completely on the plant itself and the genetics you've acquired. As some plants can be monster crop five, six, seven, or even eight times before you notice THC degradation or potency loss. However, some strains may only be monster crop two or three times before it drastically affects resin production. It really depends on the specific individual plant. Even sisters to that strain, for instance, if a grower had three feminized white widow F2, there could be potential for only one of them to be monster crop past the third or fourth time, seeing higher reser production and no loss. Now, I do know a grower who has a phenomenal monster crop strain that has been monster crop seven times now and will be going on its eighth and will actually be seeing a heavier resin production with every harvest. So it really does depend on what the individual plant's genetics does, your variables as far as your feeding schedules, nutrient lines, grow medium choice, light, temperatures, and so many other circumstances, as it's really hard for me to give anyone an exact answer on how many times their plant is capable. However, I can say this. Any quality strain with good strong genetics should be able to be monster cropped at least one time without seeing massive alterations in the resin productions or the genetics of the actual bud. So every grower should be able to monster crop their quality strains. Now, I haven't personally tested a monster crop on an autoflower technically. However, theoretically, it should be able to work. As I know some South African growers do re-veg their plants after harvest by placing them into way bigger grow pots, giving the roots more room to spread out, allowing more vegetation to come in. So for those wondering if their favorite autoflower can be monster crop, you'll have to test it out for yourself. Just use my theory with root locking and transplanting into larger pot sizes to test that theory. One day I will test it myself, I'm just working on several other projects as of now. I did however re-veg an autoflower right at the start of flowering, and that technically is the same principle, so I believe it's 100% possible. Now, I do hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Homegrown Podcast on cloning and monster cropping. I'm your host Chronic from the Cannabis Chronicles on Instagram and YouTube. And I'll be back every single Wednesday to bring you all more cannabis information. Be sure to follow along on whichever platform you're tuning in from so you don't miss out on any episode we put out. Check out Homegrown Cannabis Co. for all your top-notch cannabis seeds at www.homegrowncannabisco.com. Be sure to follow their behind-the-scenes post at Homegrown World on Instagram. And if you want to join our free seed giveaways or tune into our growing lives with Kyle Cushman to get your questions answered, be sure to like Homegrown Cannabis Co. on Facebook. Check out www.homegrowndiary.com to track your grow week by week, upload pictures, and see other cultivators' gardens. Join us for free at www.homegrowncannabisco.community to be a part of the 3,000 plus cultivators chatting online about cannabis. You can also tag me on the forum at Chronic, that's K-R-O-N-I-C, if you ever want to ask me a question directly. Much love, happy cloning, and peace, you amazing listeners.